Margie. I just want to say, Doug, I really like that anthem. Uh, if you were up here close, I don't know how he directs it like this, but instead of like this, he had his arms up. You were very close, but it was beautiful. And that tuba was terrific. Thank you for the gift. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, it is a joy to worship you. Thank you for sharing your joy with us. Thank you. Even in early in the morning, we can lift our praise of hearts filled with gratitude to you, the living God who is over us, under us, around us, protecting us, going with us into this next year. And with that kind of knowledge and that kind of joy, we pray you'll use our text today to give us assurance and to lift up those who have drooping knees today and those who are bowed down with heavy burdens and those who are frightened. Lord, prepare us for a year of victory over anything life might throw at us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If I were to ask you to name a Bible story that involves a giant, almost immediately, 99% of you would say David and Goliath. We know the story. Even people who aren't in church know the story. I walk my dog regularly in the morning. Katie's a 10-pound Boston Terrier, and some time ago I met a guy with a 180-pound bull mastiff on our walk. I wasn't surprised to learn the guy had named his dog Goliath because Goliath is associated with something big, something immense, a giant, gigantic. As we journey into 98, we're going to encounter giants of various sizes and complexities. That's a sure thing, that's life. The good news for us as Christians that I want us to be reminded about today is that we don't face those giants alone. In fact, we have a choice. We can seek to cope with the crises that come using our own resources as if God is there but he doesn't really relate to us, or we can bring the living God into the situation, the God we met through Jesus Christ, who's a father, who's personal, who cares, one who has a way of defeating any giant in our path with a single stone. It's our faith in Jesus that makes God accessible. And it's something we need to be reminded about as Christians over and over again. It's like we can never hear too often, I love you. I don't think we can hear too many sermons on, trust me, from God. So let's look at this familiar story, David and Goliath. And it offers us wisdom for this year of what to do when we're in situations that are way beyond our control. First, when David confronted Goliath, he focused on the resources of his God and not on his own ability. That is key to victory over giants. He arrived on the battle scene in the Valley of Elah, and David was shocked, says the story, to see the whole army of Israel, God's army, cowering before this Philistine giant. And therefore he asked what seemed to be a logical question. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Eugene Peterson puts the scene this way so poetically. Goliath terror, Goliath phobia. It was an epidemic worse than cholera. Everyone was down with Goliath's sickness, a terrible disease of the spirit that had Saul and his entire army incapacitated. Goliath was huge. No question, he was intimidating. The Bible says he was almost 10 feet tall, lacking an inch, making any player in the NBA small by comparison. If you ran into this guy, he would be overwhelming. And it's interesting to look at the story and realize David was the one person that day who looked beyond the giant through his eyes of faith 
and didn't see the giant as much as he saw the resources of God above the giant, and that gave him an incredible amount of confidence. It was perhaps something like this going through his heart that day. God, God's going to handle this situation, and my job is to make myself available with the resources I have, and it's going to be God's jo job to fight and defeat this giant because Goliath is far too big for me to handle alone. Such a simple drama. And you and I are going to be up against situations like that over and over again many times next year. And there's a valuable lesson of trust in this drama to tell us what to do when these times come. It's not if, it's when. Any thinking person knows there are scary giants ahead in 98. Some have already started. Look at the stock market. Look at Iran, Iraq, Algeria. It's a scary world. Many times I believe that we are going to be forced to decide what response we're going to make to life and its crises. Do we confront the situation in a frenzy of sweaty palms and palpitating hearts as if we've got to face the giant all alone, as if in spite of our verbiage, as if God isn't there, as if we're a spiritual orphan, asking, what am I going to do with this situation that's too big for me? Or Will we turn to God in trust like David did, saying, Lord, you are my strength, you're my fortress, you're my hiding place, you're my refuge, you're my shield. Obviously, Lord, this is your battle because defeating this giant will require resources I don't have, but I'm going to trust you to provide what I need. You know, that's so simple. We've been hearing about that in church school since third grade. But you know, it seems that all our life we need to be reminded of that over and over again. In fact, if you read the Psalms, as I do every day, it seems that David had to be reminded of that too because the Psalms over and over again are filled with the theme, trust me, like cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In the Psalms, it's almost like David's telling himself over and over again, I know it, but I've got to be reminded of it because I've got a new crisis and yesterday's strength won't do for today. So choosing to trust God when we're in a Goliath situation rather than carry the burden all alone, do we realize that's going to have everything to do with the quality of life we're going to experience this year? Everything to do with the quality of life. We're either gonna go with sweaty palms, wringing our hands with stress, or we're gonna go in the confidence that David went with when he faced Goliath. That's our potential legacy as Christians if we choose to use it. So I wanna ask, what about you today? How do you respond to giants? Do you, perhaps you're in the midst of one now, some battle, do you start marshalling your own resources as if the outcome depends solely on you? Or do you see a Goliath situation as an exciting arena in which you know the God who sent Jesus to die for you is going to intervene? That he's gonna come with enough at the right time in the right way to help you? Unlike the Israeli army who looked only at the size of Goliath that day, and listen to his arrogant, scary threats like we hear around the world all the time. David focused on the divine resources of his God who could part oceans and build mountains and a God who was in charge of the universe. 
he had a tremendous amount of confidence. And as I looked at this story that I've known so long, I kept asking, where did David's confidence come from? What made him so different from the cowering crowd of the day? And it occurred to me it was in this verse. David had a memory bank of God's faithfulness when he had encountered other giants in his past. He put it this way in the text. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David had had some experience with his God. This wasn't his trial run. He knew his God could be counted on. If you've ever seen the Discovery Channel, they do features on lions, and they just did one the other night on grizzly bears. And to think that David, as a shepherd boy, defeated a lion and a bear, that's pretty awesome. But David said he didn't. God did. He just went in the faith that God provided to confront these giants, and God took over. I want to tell you that one of the best anti-giant weapons this year for you will be your memory bank of God's interventions when we called upon him in the past. The only problem with that is you might be one of those people who don't know God that well and you don't know what it is to call upon him in an emergency. You don't have any memory bank of calling out and having the living God intervene in your life. Well, I guess it's time to build one. For the rest of us, we have a tremendous background of things to build our faith. I, I mention often that I read my journal notes I keep a track of what goes on in my prayer life, and I, at the end of the year, I reread them again last week for 97, from January to December. I keep them on my computer, and you know, I had an absolute awesome moment. I was overwhelmed when I started reading about what God had done in the various needs I brought to Him. Big needs, not so big needs, need for wisdom about a decision, a relational problem, I'm sick, I've got this, I'm frightened about that. God over and over again responded to my prayers in ways that surprised me, but I tend to forget. I don't think it's just my age of short-term memory loss, but without that journal, it's like if I'm in a crisis today, I won't remember too well what God did last year. But when you read it, it's almost like reading scripture that God's saying, I was there, so trust me now. God never failed me in a single instance. I can say that with the deepest conviction and greatest joy today. David was a giant killer because God's power was far more real to him that day than the weaponry and verbal threats of the giant. And that's what happens when you have a backlog of God's faithfulness in the past. David knew he couldn't defeat this human Sherman tank with a rock and a sling. But he knew God could. And he knew that God was going to intervene. And that's what faith is all about. That's what it means to be in partnership with God in life. Armed with his confidence that God would show up, David went to battle. And God killed the giant with a single stone, much to the surprise of the Israeli army. So let me offer that a first lesson for coping with the unknowns of a new year Let's appropriate the resources our Lord has provided, namely accessibility to God and God's resources if we'll trust Him and ask for them. And I guarantee you that's a power that will transform our meager sling and stones into formidable smart bombs that become giant killers. That's a simple, and yet that's a profound truth of our faith. And let me tell you, that will lead you to the inner peace this year that Jesus promised to those 
who trust him. What a glorious alternative to living with fear and anxiety and stress and, as I say, sweaty palms and palpitating hearts. A second truth in the text is that we must use God's weapons, not the weapons of the world, when we fight giants. It was interesting, as you read the whole story, King Saul wanted to at least help this young man who didn't have a chance against the giant, so he gave him his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, and a huge sword. He looked like a modern James Bond going to battle that day. He was equipped with everything that the weaponry of the time could do for him. Yet when David tried to walk, he couldn't even move. So he had to get rid of the king's weaponry. And then, as we follow the story, it's interesting. He went out to battle and he kneeled by a stream. And I know that's the time he was praying to his God. And perhaps it was at that time that God said, he was saying, well, God, what am I going to fight this guy with? I can't use Saul's weapons. And God put his focus on a stone in the stream and he went and picked it up. And perhaps it was at that time David remembered what that sling and stone had done in the past against lions and bears. And so he took the stone and his sling and he went and confronted Goliath. Now let's look at it. That would be a foolish decision to the mind that calculates only on the human level. There was no human way that David's decision to use a sling and a stone was adequate for the battle, except that God had told him to do it. You see, on the other hand, his move was superb wisdom. Why? Because he knew something a faithless person did not know. David knew this would be God's sling, that this would be God's rock, and that weapon proved to be highly effective. And so I want to ask, when in a crisis, what weapons do you choose? Do you, as the Bible instructs us, go immediately to God in prayer, taking the need, the issue, whatever it is, to Him? And then do you wait in faith, expecting God that He heard the prayer and He's going to respond with everything that you're going to need to handle the situation? Do you do that? Or do you grab the weapons of a sophisticated mindset of our, uh, mindset of our culture that sort of stresses our rugged individualism, our, if you're going to get anything done, you've got to do it yourself? And so you might say, trusting God might work fine in the church. But this is the real world, and I need to be practical, and I need to do whatever is going to be necessary to take care of me, because nobody else will. Uh, let me illustrate what weapons of the secular world, of our culture, might look like. These are the weapons some people use to fight giants, like, if you face a giant in your marriage, use the weapon of divorce. If your competitors are unethical in their business ethics, use the compromise of your own business dealings so you can keep up. If you suffer loneliness, feel isolated from the crowd, partially because you choose to live a Christian life and live by the Christian value system, well then rewrite God's laws and change your values. On the other hand, as Christians, we have a legacy of divine promises that promises us Weapons that will help us beat these giants if we'll trust God and wait rather than turn to our own resources of the secular culture. Promises like this one from David. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. There's something about David as you read him, you, you get into his heart in the Psalms and he did have a difficult life and somehow he just knew God over and over again as this one who would come through for him when he was in a crisis. 
And I want to tell you today, I know it's simple. It's not sophisticated, but it's biblical truth. Going to God in prayer with an overwhelming need that you can't handle alone, and then waiting in patience and confidence that God heard that prayer and the God who runs the universe is going to respond, that kind of faith acts like God is a refuge, that God is a stronghold. And I can tell you this, it'll save you from the hyper-debilitating activity associated with trying to kill giants in your own strength. That's a sure way to crash and burn. There's things in this life that are just too big for us to handle alone. That's why we need a God, and that's why Jesus made him accessible. From cover to cover, the Bible has some very simple messages. That's why sermon themes are really in a very limited uh, uh, parameter of subjects that we cover. And from cover to cover, the Bible urges, in fact, it invites, in fact, it begs us to simply trust God. To trust God as the foundation for living. Eugene Peterson, again, describes the drama of trusting God as presented in our text, and he can put it poetically in a way I can't. While David knelt at the brook, the world was bounded on one side by the arrogant and bullying people of Philistia, and on the other by the demoralized and anxious people of Israel. To the north, the powerful but stupid giant. To the south, the anointed but deeply flawed king. No one could have guessed that the young man picking up stones out of the brook was doing the most significant work of the day. And I want to tell you, as you go out into a world that doesn't know God, maybe trusting him in a crisis, going and believing prayer is going to be answered and doing our thing as Christians will be viewed by those out there as foolish. But I want to tell you that you will be doing the most significant work of the day. In fact, it's the only method on earth by which giants can be defeated. God always works behind the scenes in ways that are surprising and unexpected and mysteriously successful. I have been in so many cul-de-sacs of impossibility in my life that I no longer preach with a, well, this is a good theory. This is absolutely part of my very heart and mind and soul that God comes in time with everything we need. He's come to my rescue in so many ways. I can, it's beyond my imagination. Over and over again, God has never failed me. He is totally trustworthy. And I can say that is one of the deepest convictions of my life. And if you don't know that, it's time to start putting him to the test because it will change the quality of your life this year. So we're back really to a choice, aren't we? What weapons are we going to use to fight giants this year? David's little stone prevailed against a giant wearing 200 pounds of armor. Why? Because it was God's stone. And he trusted God. As a writer puts it, out of this battle, the real truth emerged. Goliath was the dwarf, and David was the giant. With a few swings of his sling, he hurls a stone that strikes the giant dead. And what happened that day was a miracle, where a trusting child of God used resources invisible to the faithless eye to bring about a victory over giants that caught both opposing sides by surprise. I believe God wants to surprise you this year. I don't think any of us have really had enough of a thrill of what it means to trust God and experience his interventions. 
I want to tell you one other thing. I, I'm convinced God does not cause, but I know he uses giants. You may have one in your life right now. I can tell you he's using it. And he uses it to bring us to an end of our own resources so we can finally learn what it means to live by faith. I and the rest of the team had just such an occasion recently. I don't know how many of you were here Christmas Eve, but at midnight Christmas Eve, after preaching seven times, the, mu the musicians and myself, we'd given the last erg of energy. But you know what we knew at midnight? We knew God had done something for us we could have never accomplished ourselves because before those seven services started, we confessed together, there's no way we can do this. Can't handle 9,000 people. It's beyond our physical strength. But we prayed then and we prayed between each service. And you know, God literally showed up. He intervened. And there was like a wind beneath our wings so that at 11 o'clock we were as fresh as we were at the first service. Tired at the end, yeah but only tired after the job was done. Literally, we received supernatural power doing what we could never do in our own strength. That's a microcosm of what you can have this year when you're up against overwhelming situations. And maybe there's no other way for stubborn human beings like us to learn what it means to trust the Lord until we're pushed to the limits and beyond, until we're on the ropes, until we're going down for the third time, and only then, when we have no place else to turn, we really turn to God, and God really turns to us, and we discover, God, you really are real. How foolish of me I didn't learn that earlier. And then he comes and he catches us and saves us by his timely interventions over and over again. Here's my challenge as you go home. God does not desire any one of you to live one day in 98 without turning your battle with giants over to him. And it's a choice. I want to practice the wisdom of trusting God exhibited in this text right now. I, I would invite you in the quietness of a few moments of prayer that we're going to have to give to God whatever is causing you turmoil and fear and stress. If you're right on the battlefield right now with a giant, and I have to believe some of you are, God wouldn't have scheduled a sermon this weekend, give it to him and let's see if this works. And then you who are frightened about all the giants that might be this year, let's give him those anxieties. Let's see if it works. Ask him to fill you with the quiet confidence that this is his battle. And he's going to intervene at the right time with the right solutions. And you know, with that kind of faith, like David, this year, all of us can become giant killers. And I believe that's what the Lord Jesus Christ wills for those who follow him in our kind of world. Let's bow in quiet time between you and your God. Lord, there are giants out there. As we sit and think, if we read, if we look, there are so many scary things. Life is frail. The world's shaky in many ways. And yet you are that foundation that never crumbles, that anchor that holds no matter how hard the wind is blowing. You're God. 
and too many times we make you too small. Today, we want to have a God-sized perspective of our life, of the future, of your love. And I pray that even now, each one of us will trade the turmoil, the stress, the fear that we might be feeling and give you that giant and let you fight it. And Lord, would you give to each person here today and return your peace, your joy, your confidence so that we leave here with a transfusion of hope we didn't think was possible. Pray in Christ's name.